Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 438. My name is Eric Nilsson, and with me today I have my co-host, John White. Today is Wednesday, June 13th, 2018. John, what's the color of the bay today? Hey, how's it going, Eric? Uh, yeah, before I get to that, you know, again, one more time. I, I missed a couple weeks. You know, I understand we get these tweets and emails requesting that I come back. Unnecessary to print them out and stack them by the door unable to get in almost on time because of that so if you know you know just a, just <laughs> we, a reminder. we're just scared we, we we hear you have a short-term memory thing going and we just want to make sure you know the audience loves you and and we need you back yeah absolutely unnecessary to print that stuff out i mean <laughs> you, you did forward it to me unnecessary to print it out. well that and we were making up the color of the bay report and uh, I think people were kind okay. of upset that we were just kind of <laughs> calling it pink with yellow stripes i don't think it went over well yeah, so um, just a quick tip. Pink is only during sunrise and sunset. Uh, but uh, color of the bay this morning, it was it was choppy, so that means a, a brown color. So uh, yep. it just stirs up all the, the mud along the, on, yeah. the, on the bottom. So. The bay, bay isn't very deep, so it doesn't take very much. Yeah. yeah, yeah great. All right, on the show today, uh, we have Tim Davis, senior uh, SE uh, for NSX. So he's going to be here to talk about VMware NSXT uh, 2.2. So that should be that should be good. A lot of cool features there. And excited to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I got schooled a little bit this week on uh, what NSXT was and the stuff there. I was I was mistaken. I was getting confused. T and Telco versus T and uh, NSXT versus right. uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure that Tim is going to tell us all about it. Uh, but before we do that, we'll just come back and talk a little bit about news. Things are getting exciting here as we're getting closer and closer to VMware. Uh, v Brownbag call for community papers. Uh, they have, I think, over 40-plus sessions uh, that Alistair Cook from V Brownbag has already got in the system. Um, we're going to get those transferred to us and getting them into Content Catalog this year. Uh, nice. So we've always been in Schedule Builder, but that's like four weeks from now. Uh, but this year we're getting early uh, releases of those so that they will actually be in the content, content Catalog. The Content Catalog goes live next Tuesday for those of you who are interested in seeing what all the sessions that are out there. Um, the Content Catalog goes on Tuesday. Uh, watch for that. We'll be... Input, inputting more community sessions. I think we have 120 slots we usually fill up. We'll be putting those in uh, as we get near and near to Schedule Builder as well as through uh, probably a month after Schedule Builder. We'll still drop ones in, but we're going to have stuff in Content Catalog uh, for both the V Brown Bag and we did uh, a call for VMware Code Power Sessions. So those are 30-minute mm. developer sessions, and we actually rate the developer sessions between 1 and 10. Any session that makes over 8, we offer a pass to come to VMworld. Right? Nice, so nice. what does it mean to have a, uh, a VMware code power session that rates above eight? It means you actually have code. <laughs> right. Talking about code is not just DevOps or, you know, DevOps is good. We like those sessions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vrealize automation you know, is also good. But you know, if you actually are having code examples and talking about that, you're likely to get an eight score. We have, I think, 100 slots for those. Uh, that we've got, And we've got probably... 20 sessions that are going to hit uh, hit uh, the content calendar to, uh, next Tuesday as well. Very exciting. Code session. So that's good. I said content calendar opens uh, Tuesday the 19th. Schedule Builder, just so you guys know, opens July 17th. So that's the date on those. And more importantly, early bird registration closes Friday the 15th, which is this Friday. So hmm. you want to get that early bird discount, uh, you have to get your act together and register by the 15th this month, which is this Friday. We are going to get the blogger pass announcements out. Uh, Corey's on the, on the call today. We'll talk a little bit to him and just before we get going. 
we have, I think, 85 passes, something like that, that we're giving out to bloggers. So, uh, And we're going to try to get those out in time so that if you don't get a blogger pass, you still can go get your uh, early, bird. early bird discount. So um, be aware of that. Um, so that's what I, I have. I have a couple other news items that were, were interesting. Um, let's see, that trended in, uh, on Twitter this week. Security vulnerability found in VMware remote management system. So um, if you're if you're interested if you if you're interested in that VMware AirWatch remote execution vulnerability uh, that trended on Twitter. So we did a trend on Twitter for the last week. Nice. What's going on there? Uh, VMware on AWS in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, you know, I think we did some announcements there uh, and what you can get there. There's a great blog on cloud.vmware.com uh, there that talks about that about more everything being delivered in uh, Frankfurt. So. Uh, that one trended, and then NSXT Data Center 2.2 also trended this week. So timely that we have yeah, it on the podcast. Good timing. Any news items from uh, Mr. White today? No, I just want to remind people, you know, that uh, that you can sign up for those security alerts on the VMware site. I think it's just slash security. Um, but uh, if if not, we can do a little digging and tweet that link out a little bit later. Um, but you can sign up for those security alerts. You can be on the list of people to get them you know, as they're publicly announced and uh, get that patch going. Great, great. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, good, good info. Uh, Corey Romero, you're on the call, so uh, you're, you're still around. That's good. And you're busy with the expert stuff. You got uh, some another yeah. announcement, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we announced NSX applications are open, um, so all of the experts can go and apply. Um, I sent out mail um, on Friday for that. So if you haven't uh, received that from me for some reason, um, probably don't have your email address or have the wrong email address, so you can reach out to me, uh, cromero at vmware.com, and I'll make sure that you get that invite. Um, for that, and that's for the NSX applications. And uh, just to go over the dates real quick, uh, I thought I had it open in my email. Yeah, I do. All right, while you're say. doing so, that, I would say that if you're not a V-expert and you do want to apply for one of the sub-programs and you think you're insanely strong, uh, I would first ask, why aren't you the expert? But then also, uh, there, there have been a few people that we, we uh, had in the vSAN program that weren't actually the experts, but wanted right. to be part of the, the, the sub-program for vSAN. And I think the NSX team is willing to entertain the same deal. So yeah. you don't necessarily have to be a V-expert, uh, but uh, uh, if, and if you're not, you probably won't get the invite because you're not on the expert right. list. So you'll have to reach out to Corey and find the app. Right, right. You can find me on Twitter as well, the community guy um, on Twitter. So uh, deadline, so applications close on June 29th, and then we'll have an announcement on July 20th for who made it into the program. All right. That's fantastic. And uh, I know that uh, we had, you know, 300-some uh, applications for uh, vSAN, uh, and I know that in a, the NSX program tends to be a little bit bigger, looking for more people, so you have a, a, a better chance if you if you're doing a lot of activity around NSX next year. Absolutely. And want to part of that program, you got you got a shot there. That that team is looking for more people, more evangelists, which is which is great. That's uh, and you just want to keep that in mind. You know, when you're when you're doing your blogging, you're you're planning out your your social strategy for the year. You know, what is your goal? You know, set that goal. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, well, great. Thanks. Thanks again. Uh, blogger passes are going to be announced uh, soon, I, I take it. And then uh, NSX uh, opens up for Reg for that program. That's great. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we're getting ready for the VExpert party. I know we're doing some planning on that. So uh, we're keeping you busy, Corey. So nice, nice to have you back. So, yep. yep. And I got to say, how you doing? <laughs> doing great. No, no, it's not great. What? Wait. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. There you go. <laughs> I knew that's what you're looking for. It's a show without a fantastic Mr. Romero. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, getting to the meat of the show. Thanks for being patient and going through the news with us. Um, so Tim Davis, senior uh, senior SE for NSX. Uh, he's a, at ALDTD. Uh, the topic is VMware NSX T 2.2. Tim Davis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again, guys. Yeah, I know it's great to have you back. Um, for the, for those that uh, don't maybe not know you, I know we know you very well. Uh, but for those that don't, uh, why don't you just give us the 
two-minute elevator pitch. Uh, how long have you been at VMware, and what have you been doing in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been at VMware for just over two years now, um, and I've been a uh, systems engineer inside the networking and security business unit. Um, so while that is, or it used to be just NSX, now it's NSX. It's NSX SD-WAN by Bellow Cloud. It's NSX Hybrid Connect. Um, we've got so much stuff going on, um, including things like, you know, Be Realized Network Insight, Network Insight as a Service, um, just so many cool things that are coming out around networking security. Um, and strangely enough, I wasn't actually a networking and security person before this. Um, I was actually a VMware infrastructure architect before I came here. No, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so you've made that transition into the uh, network place. i got to give you credit for that because uh, it's quite a bit different from uh, compute virtualization, compute OSs and all that to, to network fabric and, and the stack and, and all the complexity that goes with uh, building up, you know, virtual networks. So uh, good, good, good job on you making that transition. Um, so why don't you give us kind of a, a rundown of the NSX versions and, you know, you, you kind of went through that fast. I don't know if that's worthwhile just taking a moment to kind of cover again yeah. uh, what, what, are the, what are the components to the, the what do we call the uh, V network now or whatever our brand term is that? Uh, Portfolio. Yeah. Uh, no, but we, we branded it now. We have a brand for the whole uh, network stack. What is that called now? That is called the Virtual Cloud Network. That's it. The Virtual Cloud Network. You want to give us kind of a highlight of that and then drill down into NSXT and where that fits in the portfolio? Absolutely. Um, so NSX, up until recent, uh, very recently, we've known that as you know a product. Now, of course, that's a platform, um, but really, when we talked about NSX, we were talking about NSX for data center. Now that we've got the virtual cloud network, NSX is kind of a family name, so to speak. So the NSX product that we've known and loved for years now is now called NSX Data Center, and that comes in two flavors, NSXV for vSphere and NSXT, which is the multi-hypervisor, multi-cloud product. Now, under our umbrella, we actually um, acquired a company called VeloCloud um, back in December, and they are a software-defined WAN company, and that product is now known as NSX SD-WAN by VeloCloud. And we also have a product that used to be called HCX, um, and now that is NSX Hybrid Connect. Um, and that's kind of a, um, a product that will allow you to pretty easily bring some data centers together, move workloads around. If you're doing consolidations and stuff like that, it's really good for that. Um, but specifically, what we're going to talk about today is NSXT. Um, yeah, now, so this to, so, so to, to review, NSXV, traditional vSphere, NSX and embedded in vSphere, yep. and you know you build your, your virtual network right, right out of vSphere and NSXV. And NSXT is the multi-cloud version that the is a multi-hypervisor offering that will run on different hypervisors and Absolutely. different cloud environments. Got it. Excellent. Tim, do we know what the, where the T comes from? Well, um, the code names for these releases were things like Bumblebee and Dropkick. So you can imagine what the T probably used to stand for, um, but for obvious reasons, we're not allowed to say that anymore, so it's just NSXT. Okay. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Good. All right. So, uh, NSXT, uh, you're on uh, 2.2, so this has been out for a little while. I don't know when the name came, uh, but uh, we're, we're already on version 2.2. So, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what's new in the product, and then maybe we'll backtrack from there if we need to. So, this is a really, really huge release for us. Um, and NSXT has kind of been... A, a real different product. So NSXV is obviously very embedded in the vSphere environments. Um, everything's running in kernel, everything's great. Now that's the exact same for NSXT, but it's built completely differently. <laughs> so it, it's kind of the same thing, only different. Um, T was built from the ground up to be agnostic of hypervisor versions. So, you know, VMware's the vSphere shop, but we know a lot of our other customers that are doing really hyperscale stuff are doing things with KVM. And nowadays we know that our customers are doing things in public clouds. And the whole point of NSXT is to have a common network and security fabric across all, all the different hypervisor environments and across all of the multi-clouds. Um, so it kind of is a you know, wherever you go, take us with you methodology for that. And 2.2 two 
um, actually starts to bring that vision to life. So the biggest thing that I would say comes with 2.2 is NSX Cloud. Now, that's technically another offering for us. Um, so if you can, you can do NSX Data Center, which is NSX T 2.2, or you can do NSX Cloud, which is NSX T 2.2, with another chunk put into it that makes it work with public clouds. And right now, that's actually Azure. So you can, can take. Can I ask a question? How how do we um, how do we do a kernel embedded um, network stack? that is hypervisor agnostic. Wouldn't that be kernel dependent? Uh, so they built it in such a way that we have the kernel bits for KVM and we have the kernel bits for vSphere. So while I say we're hypervisor agnostic, it's you know cut down a little more than that. So we can do vSphere and we can do Ubuntu and RHEL versions of KVM currently. Got it. So, so we can we do multi I guess the nomenclature of hypervisor agnostic makes it sound a little different. So it, it's multi-hypervisor, not hypervisor agnostic. My fault. Yeah, and, and then that, that allows you to get into the different cloud environments because they support those releases, right? So that yeah. gives you options when you're, when you're going into Azure and AWS, I would assume. And uh, so the, the cloud thing is, is really, really big for us. Um, being able to create a micro-segmentation policy, which is our way of doing security, um, creating a policy one time in one firewall window and having it know if I've got workloads on-prem, I'm going to you know, give them the security policy. If they've got workloads out in Azure, I'm going to give them the same security policy. So it kind of lets you choose wherever you want to put that workload, wherever makes sense for it, it's still going to have a seamless security policy that you've set one time. Um, so that's really a big deal for cutting down the management overhead that you would need in a multi-cloud environment. So that's if you're using NSXT on-prem and NSX Cloud in Azure. So NSXT and NSX Cloud, they're, they're the same thing. There's just one little addition, one extra little appliance that you deploy on-prem and one appliance that goes out into your VNets for Azure that make it NSX Cloud. But it's all the same code base. Got it. I, I just meant as as contrasted with um, a single management plane for NSXT and NSXV. That's correct. Yeah. All right. So um, looking okay. through it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, we have a blog article that you know kind of you, you took us through what uh, two point two has, but maybe we can just drill down on a couple of those things. Yeah, um, and I was just kind of going through some of the uh, the big features here and talking about some of the stuff we have. Um, in NSXV, one of the big things was that it integrated directly into the virtual distributed switch that everybody knows and loves today. Um, one of the changes with NSXT is that it uses the NVDS. Now, this is a new switch that we've got going um, that allows us to get a lot more power um, and a lot more control in environments. Um, and the NSXT NVDS, um, we're now doing high performance mode called Enhanced Data Path, and that's in conjunction with vSphere 6.7. So we can get extremely high performance in NSXT environments. Um, one of the big areas that this is big with is NFV in the telco space, doing network function virtualization. So think of your telco companies that are working to make 5G a reality today. Um, NSX is actually hopefully going to be a big part of that. Nice, nice. All right, yep. Uh, like that. That that sounds good. Um, you know, like we we can we can ask a little bit more about Azure and what we're doing there, and how how do we then support multi-cloud? Is it really just because we're supporting the multiple OSs then, or are we doing any kind of certification with the cloud vendors to say yes, this works, they support it? What's our story there when we really talk about multi-cloud? So with us, um, our, the cloud providers generally are pretty open as long as you're meeting their standards and stuff like that. Um, like with AWS or Azure, you can go into their, their marketplace, so to speak, and you can download appliances, and you can install things and make them work the way that you want. Um, and that's essentially what we're doing. 
Um, so the way that we have it is we have a cloud appliance that gets deployed out at the edge of your VNet in Azure, which allows us to reach out and have that control um, without actually having to be part of the hypervisor natively inside of Azure. So it's a little bit different than our um, control that we have like with VMware Cloud on AWS where we're actually running natively on the hypervisor. In Azure, we're actually using software appliances in order to get control of the VNets. Right, right, okay, good, good, good. Um, is this part of the, uh, you know, when we talk about this in NSXT, should I be consider the, considering this uh, when I'm using uh, VMC uh, and, you know, from, you know, as a service from us to connect your data center through, is this, this relevant there or is there something else we're doing with uh, VMC? Well, VMC is kind of a, a special thing right now. Um, they've got NSX running inside of their environments, but the current releases don't necessarily support the connection of on-prem NSX out there. Um, at this point, you're doing things like layer two VPNs or, you know, direct connects and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, coming through in the future, NSXT will definitely be a big player in the VMC space. Okay, that's the answer there, right? So. No, not yet, but maybe maybe in the future. Well, I think VMware Cloud and AWS is a special case where they actually have a published roadmap. And so they very publicly say, hey, yeah, this is something that we eventually want to do is we want NSXT um, as an option, not just uh, automatically, you know, NSXV and nothing else. And they're taking special care with VMC since it is a, a completely managed service and everything is, you know, very highly automated and highly turnkey. They're they're having to be very meticulous in the way that they design and release features to make sure that it is flawless. Every time you click the button and you need a new host, everything comes up in a couple of minutes. You need a new SDDC, everything comes up in a few minutes. Um, so so they're definitely taking their time to make sure everything gets done right. Okay. So flipping back to NVDS, it, it really does look like NVDS is something that you know we you, you're spending a lot of time with, and so um, things you know how how risky is moving to this if in fact you know I'm kind of adopting a new virtual switch technology. Oh, good question. Well, well um, I appreciate it. be exactly the same no, I, as we introduced the virtual distributed switch. Um, it was new. It was scary. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, but, I mean, VDS is a, you know, a standard these days. Um, we've got, I've got very few customers that are actually still using virtual standard switch. And if they are, they're only offloading like management and stuff like that to it. Um, so NVDS is just going to be another one of those things where we have to prove that it works. We have to show the customers that we made this choice for a lot of really good reasons. And the benefits of moving to NVDS versus the virtual distributed switch in terms of NSXT is going to gain you a lot. Got it. So let me ask a, a technology clarification question. Um, we're able to do NVDS um, in NSXT on-prem because we are actually integrating with kernels and hypervisors. When That's correct. Go out to, when we go out to something like Azure or somebody else's public cloud, um, we don't actually have the ability to embed our our software switch there, do we? Or so is that what the appliance is for to to kind of control the the native software switch, or are we actually so the appliance out there? Yeah, you're absolutely right. the uh, The software appliance that we deploy out there in the VNet and Azure um, that's going to essentially be our NVDS in the cloud that allows us to have that control. So since we don't have access directly to their hypervisor to do the vSwitches, we're doing it in the vNet infrastructure instead of actually in the hypervisor infrastructure. Got it, okay. All right, so that's uh, you know, covering, you know, drilling down a little bit about on, on the NVDS. Um, I, I see improved controller cluster deployment experience. Right. Mm. So uh, I'm 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 looking at the looking at the blog, ticking down through features that you guys are talking about on the blog. Uh, what is improved controller cluster deployment experience you're referring to? Yeah. So um, with any of our virtual networking products, with NSXT and NSXV and all that, we need the controllers in the environment in order to kind of be the puppet master and the brains of the operation, so that 
our routing and switching and everything uh, kind of stays in sync. Um, the process before you were having to go through and you were having to kind of deploy one controller here, you were having to go and deploy another controller, you were having to manually set, you know, affinity rules and stuff like that to make sure that they're um, kind of put together. And what we've done here is we've kind of allowed you to streamline the controller deployment so that when you're going through and deploying them, you kind of set a couple of common attributes, and then when you push it out, it'll deploy the rest of the controllers for you um, much more quickly and efficiently. Oh, got it. So rather than having to manually set affinity rules and, and separate out that controller cluster, and that you know you can just kind of say, hey, here's the here's the management cluster, deploy it there, and separate them out. Much more streamlined process for that. Yeah, very cool. I, I do have a couple of questions in chat, so I thought I'd just take a moment and uh, ask, ask, and maybe they're chatting amongst themselves, but uh, Virtual Security mm -hmm. asks, any good physical switches to work with NSXT? Recommendations for ones that work with NSX management to accept policies? Ooh, yeah, so there's, that's the classic question of how do I bridge that control out to my physical network? I mean, is that something that we're doing so with NSX? That's one thing with NSXT, as of right now, we do not have any form of like hardware VTEP integration like we had with NSXT. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because we've actually changed the virtual networking protocol that we're using. We used to use VXLAN, uh, virtual extensible LAN, inside of NSXT, and now we're using Genev or Geneve or however you want to pronounce that. Um, and that is just like VXLAN, it's an open standard. It's a you know not some kind of VMware secret sauce, um, but it is newer to the industry. So we don't have a lot, a lot of switch vendors that are currently doing like Geneva offload and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so at this current time, we don't have hardware integration, so to speak. But at the same token, it's just an encapsulation, just like anything else. So all of the current switches and stuff that you have today will be able to run it. Got it. So we're doing pure overlay. Um, yes, but then the natural, the natural follow-on question is: Is that something that I can get into the OS for a physical physical uh, device? Uh, meaning, like I have a physical Windows server uh, that's mm -hmm. not virtualized. Well, so or we actually are on bare metal support for NSXT as of right now. Um, there's a a really cool YouTube video out there that um, that kind of shows that. Um, it's it's pretty new for us, and we're just starting to toy with it. Um, and that's actually a big change because in NSX before, we were unfortunate to have to say, well, we can't really micro segment or we can't really do overlays to physical devices. Um, but hopefully, you're going to see that change in here real soon. Cool. So roadmap, but it's being toyed with. I I've seen uh, maybe a couple blog posts about uh, deploying the, the NSX Edge to bare metal. Um, yes, um, that is something for sure that we are doing today with NSXT um, in terms of edges. In NSXV, all we have is the NSX Edge Services Gateway, which is a virtual appliance that you can do in either active standby or equal cost multipath clusters. Um, edges in NSXT are much different. Since this is um, in a, you know, a product that's built for really, really high performance, high scale um, environments, we have the ability to do an edge on a bare metal server. Um, so you're think, talking like hyper, hyper scale customers, like your eBay PayPal's and stuff like that. Um, we can actually take, and instead of using just software appliances and little clusters, we can deploy physical edges to give you extreme performance. Got it. So that that's really the idea of using the physical box as a high-performance software router uh, and switch as opposed to bridging to the specific uh, operating system and workload that's on that physical box. Got it. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yep. All right, I was just looking at Facebook. So, hey, guys on Facebook, uh, just watching the chat, trying to do multiple chat here on, on TalkShoe as well as Facebook. So uh, <laughs> if you if you want to ask a question, um, you know, we can... We can absolutely uh, see if we can we can take that interface as well. So, uh, thanks for being there. And uh, uh, yep, go there. I don't see questions that I want. There's some chat that's uh, also uh, in the chat. But uh, if anybody has a question on chat, just uh, make sure you uh, 
direct it to VMware as opposed to just talking amongst yourself because otherwise I can't pick them up. Uh, and we'll go from there. Improved controller cluster deployment experience. We just covered that. Uh, guest VLAN tagging. Want to talk about guest VLAN tagging? Mm-hmm. And I should get the URL of this blog. The, the blogs is blogs.vmware.com. And then I think it's the uh, NSX blog has a great article that talks all about NSXT that I'm just reading through. Yeah, so yeah. Guess VLAN, um, yeah. you can actually set it up. Um, before, when you had a logical switch, um, a logical switch was basically like you know, a VLAN, but in NSX, that would be a VXLAN, um, or in NSXT, it would be a Genev fact. So we can actually set that up now to where the tag doesn't exist specifically on the logical switch. That'll work as a trunk so that a virtual machine can actually be connected to multiple VLANs, and it can just send the VLAN from the VM, the VLAN tag from the VM itself, not just being an access from a single VLAN. So you could actually communicate on multiple networks from the same VM instead of just one network as it was before. Oh wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, that gets into the performance enhancement space where uh, you know you're not routing traffic from one to the other. Right. So you're decoupling the VLAN tagging from the virtual switch and and bringing it directly to the VM. Yes. Wow. Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I have light bulbs and fireworks growing off of my brain. You can't actually see that. Though. <laughs> we need an effect in, for the Facebook video for that for that to show up. Load balancing enhancement. Do that. Jeez, you got a you got a list pretty long on the blog. I'm just going to go look up the blog to see if I can find it. Um, but the uh, you know the URL to it so that I can give everybody a shout out to the blog. Load balancing enhancements. Are these are yeah. these starting to become marketing terms, or should we be covering these things? Like that's the question on this blog. Like how many of these things are really relevant to NSXT versus marketing guys sat up and dream these things up and put them on a blog somewhere? Well, a lot of these things are relevant for us. Um, load balancing enhancements is a big deal. Um, NSX has always had a load balancer. Um, but we see most of our customers are, you know, pretty heavily embedded in all the big names in load balancing these days. Um, but what we've actually found is that while they think they need all the, you know, crazy features and stuff that you can get from the other vendors, um, a lot of their load balancing is pretty simple. Um, now, that doesn't mean that it's not high performance with SSL offload and stuff like that, but our load balancer can handle that. Um, we've got a scripting language just like F5. So you can actually go through and do some pretty complex load balancing. Um, and we're trying to make that more full features so that we get a lot more customers to start utilizing it. Because um, when you are doing your load balancing with NSX inside an NSX environment, you're obviously going to get a, um, a nice little performance bump as opposed to hairpinning that traffic out to a, uh, another physical load balancer somewhere. That makes sense. Or even a software load balancer that's another VM, right? All right, I'll do a shout out. I'll do a shout out to the blogs. It's blogs.vmware.com/network-virtualization, all one word. Uh, network virtualization. The blog article's there. It's a great blog. It's written by uh, I think Andrew Voltmer. So posted it uh, June June fifth, twenty eighteen. So it's there. I don't know if he posted it or if he actually authored it as well. But uh, that's that's the article I'm reading through. The covers NSXT uh, uh, two two So good article there. Um, switch gears a little bit, unless you, I can keep going through high performance layer two bridge and firewall, VLAN ports on logical routers. Um, what, do you want to, what do you want to cover next? The, the biggest thing that I see on the list here so uh, that comes next is the Terraform provider. Um, Terraform is obviously you know grabbing hold and it's becoming really, really relevant for automating infrastructure these days. Um, and having a Terraform provider for NSX um, is, is a really big deal for us. What is a Terraform? Terraform is a, an app that's, 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 yeah, go into that. It, it's structured delivery. Um, so think of like your, you know, your puppet or chef or Ansible, if you've heard of those. Um, it's right. infrastructure as code. Right. And is that a vendor, it. or is it like a puppet, like a, a an, an app that I can install, or is it a vendor that's offering a service that's doing that? Terraform is a, um, it's a product you can go download and start using today. Okay. Yep. So it's like a shepherd puppet. 
Um, and you've done a, a integration there, uh, so it's officially supported. Um, so yeah, good to, good to have. Right. I know. That's the yeah. HashiCorp, right? Yes. And I guess the last big thing here on the list, um, you know, the customer experience program is one thing, but uh, NIOC, Network I.O. Control V3 on NVDS, um, that's a big deal for us as well. Um, Network I.O. Control essentially allows you to take uplinks from your, like your virtual distributed switch today, where you've got all of the traffic coming through a couple of links, where you can actually start to prioritize traffic. So if every going across the same links, you can say, well, I want my storage traffic to have more priority. So if we start having contention, no matter what, my storage traffic is going to be fine. Um, and now we have network I.O. control available in the NVDS as well. Right. Yep, got it. Um, I want to talk a little bit, I'll switch gears a little bit, unless you have something to follow up with. I got, no, I no, got no. another topic I'm going to I'm yeah. hit Tim with. Right. All right. Uh, so... So you've made this transition, right, into networking admin in the networking ad space, you know, admin space. What's the journey for somebody that isn't you know, compute right now? Because we're always getting questions from from our our leadership of what are we doing for the IT practitioners as VMware starts becoming a networking company? What's the best way for somebody that's an IT admin today or a technical practitioner SE that's doing compute to start actually coming up to speed with networking technology? And then, you know, learning enough to do what you've done, which is, you know, become an expert at, at how network fabrics built out. What's your journey on making that tra transition from compute to network? Um, and, and that was really a fun one. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the first things I was told is if you're not a network guy, you're going to have a hard time with NSX. And honestly, I don't think that's true. Um, it, it's, been, it's been pretty easy. Um, NSX is kind of networking for dumb. Now, that's not to say that networking is not still hard because, you know, it's complex. Um, but at the same token, going through and learning how everything works, if you're doing it the NSX way, you know, you're not having to go through and start digging into command line. You're not having to start digging into, you know, how OSPF and BGP work at a fundamental level and all that. Is it good to learn that? Sure. Um, but you can kind of start to get the concepts at a really high level, see how things start to fit together and come together. Um, but then, like for me specifically, I actually jumped in and started doing the CCNA course um, because that is breaking down some of those protocols at a fundamental level. Um, and that's because I'm in rooms with network guys and I'm trying to tell them that they're doing networking the wrong way now and they need to do it a new way. Um, so I kind of have to know what I'm talking about to a degree. So going through and doing like the CCNA stuff and the Network Plus from, um, you know, the other what's, company uh, there. What's CCS? Let's just make sure we cover that. CCNA is? It's short for Cisco Network. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So you you jump Standard over you for think? your yeah yeah kind of this uh, entry level um, certification for for yeah. networking right right along with alongside Network Plus. So go go sign up for traditional networking classes right get get trained traditionally so that then as you you jump over into you know virtual networking. You you know what you're talking about like from the networking standpoint. Yeah, switch, yeah. Switch. I would just start with the NSX stuff. Um, like our network virtualization, you know, certification classes and stuff like that. They're geared towards people that aren't, you know, CCIE, you know, expert level network guys. Now, do we have courses that are available for the CCIE level network guys? Absolutely. But we also have the ones that kind of break it down in a, you know, you've got a vSphere guy that's going to have to start interacting with the network a little more. Um, here's how you get there. So you can absolutely start with us, but along the road, you may start running into some things, you know, that you want to dig into a little more. Um, and even if you don't go and take official courseware from somebody, there is so much free content on there on networking, it's ridiculous. Um, and in fact, I actually downloaded a book about BGP that was, you know, free and sat there and kind of read through that. Um, so there's a ton of resources out there. But if you're if you're a traditional infrastructure guy now and you're looking at getting into the network space, um, just starting off with NSX will be a good jump start for you. Well, that's such an interesting point, Tim and, and Eric, that you asked that question. It just really sparked a thought in my head, which was. You know, as VMware starts, you know, and is in full-throatedly pushing the software-defined data center, as we're, you know, 
um, encapsulating all those things and bringing it inside the VMware domain, like that means that as a you know virtual administrator, what you used to be administering was virtual machines, but really now you need to be administering the entire software-defined data center, and that means storage, and that means compute. And we've always done it to a certain degree, but you know at, when it was physical, you could kind of say, hey, storage guy, I need a new LUN, or I need a new NFS mount. Hey, network guy, I need a new VLAN. But that's, you know, it's it's getting more complicated than that, right? Yeah. We're building the entire three-tier architecture with different classes of storage inside the software-defined data center. So we have to know more about that. So on the, yeah, on the front line. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the people and process thing is one of the most important things. So with NSX, NSX is kind of just a tool. Um, but going along and changing the way that you do business from a traditional siloed architecture into like a software-defined data center cloud type, you know, environment, uh, it takes more than just tools. It takes people. Um, and the way that we see people being successful is kind of breaking down those silos. You don't just have your storage admins, your network admins, your compute admins anymore. You've got cloud guys. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't need somebody who has some expertise in storage, somebody who has some expertise in networking. But because these silos are coming together, bringing storage and networking and compute all into the hypervisor, um, it, it does you a good service to have a general knowledge of how all of that works so that you know how your piece fits together. Right, and I, I have a follow-up question to that, which is you're on the front lines, you, you, you're an SE, you're obviously working out with customers. What, uh, there, there was a battle, right, where there was definitely three distinct or areas of, of delineation. Um, how, was that, how is that going in the real world? Are, are we seeing more um, network admins start to really take the virtual network serious and starting to train to move over? Um, and, and do you see some realistic expectation that you know, compute will actually train up on NSX? Obviously, we have our, our NSX V experts, and we have a lot of interest in it. Uh, how is that merge happening? Do you, do you see it actually happening? Do you see N uh, network guys that traditionally were Cisco switch hardware-centric uh, starting to make that transition? Yeah, we absolutely see that. And, um, I mean, the main answer with, you know, an obvious SE answer is it depends. Because, I mean, I have such a crazy range of customers that range from big to small, from cutting-edge technology to dinosaur technology. Um, and, and it's so weird because we've got some customers that we go into that are doing this bleeding-edge technology where we run into teams that are like, no, no, we're doing things the way we've always done them. They don't want to learn something new. They don't want to do something a new way. But then we go into these dinosaur companies where you've got the guys that have been doing things the same way for 20 years that are all over jumping in and learning something new. Um, it, it's a huge shift in the industry these days where you see people needing to learn more skills. Um, it, it's not going to be you know, good for you if you just stay a storage admin forever um, because that seems to be breaking down if you're a network admin or a just a vSphere admin. Going more towards the full stack engineer, uh, it's going to be much more marketable for you. Yeah, right. And uh, the, the other thing that you, you hit on, which is interesting, is just the, the, the cloud effect guys, like, like the cloud guys, right? Like right. where as soon as you go, you start into, into cloud, it, it becomes... You know, nobody has physical switches anymore, or they, you know, you, you're using cloud services, and then you're building architectures, and it's all software. So I suppose cloud is starting to accelerate that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and that organizational organizational challenge, I think, is is another thing. In order for IT departments to really stay relevant and stay ahead of the curve, you know, they need to break down those silos. It's it's interesting when you're doing career management as an IT practitioner, you almost have to, you know, start evaluating your company and your IT department and, and saying, hey, you know, how visionary is my management, you know, up to the leadership? And if you're going to switch jobs, you need to evaluate that company for how, you know, visionary they are. Are they doing software-defined data center? Are they, you know, breaking down the silos? Is, is this going to be a good long-term fit? And we actually have some professional services engagements that do just that. They're called operational transformation. And they will go into a customer who is looking at moving the way that, or, you know, changing the way that they deliver services. 
And it's like, all right, let's look at where you are today, where you want to be, how do we get there? Do we need to make some org chart changes? Do we need to kind of create a cloud tiger team, so to speak, and bring like, you know, one specialist from each in here to have weekly meetings? Um, because like I said, you can throw tooling at something all day long, but the people in process is just as important as the tool. So we offer the services to help you not only pick up the tooling, but also change your organization to transform along with that so you can be successful. Yeah, that's such an interesting uh, thing to call out, that, that organizational structural change in, in report structure and how budgets are actually determined, right? Um, sometimes it's, it's, you know, if, if, if budgeting doesn't change, then nothing will change, <laughs> right? Other, other questions on, uh, on, on this, in this space of NSXT, the cloud, hyper, multi-hypervisors, that is, that's at the, at the you know, practitioner level. We've talked about you know, the bringing those two together. How about executive support for this? Like, uh, you know, we, we, we hear these uh, anecdotal stories of, oh, we almost won the deal, but then uh, somebody at the very top came down and said, no, we're going to just use traditional methods. Uh, um, are we seeing ex uh, you know, some leadership from the executive class starting to understand how the, what the priority is for shifting the way they're doing networking? Yeah, um, we, we've actually seen that quite a bit, and one of the things that's driving that is that over the past few years, there's been a huge push for cloud. So when you go in and you have C-level conversations, they're just talking cloud, cloud, cloud. We need to go to the cloud. Now, some of them don't necessarily know what that actually means or what that actually entails, but they just hear cloud. Um, and it's one of those things where we've had some customers that have been like, hey, we're going to go 100% cloud. We're going to move out there. So they start moving out there they realize that it's either operationally infeasible for their apps or they got their first Amazon bill and realized how much money that actually is, started pulling it back on-prem. The idea of cloud is great, but you have to have a strategy that fits with that. Does your application really suit going to the cloud? Um, do, does it meet all of your compliance needs and stuff like that? So when talking to them about doing you know, NSX and stuff like that, even if it's just on-prem, what we're trying to deliver with the software-defined data center is the cloud experience without actually going out to the cloud. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, NSX can't give you the ability to help you go out to the cloud, but we're able to kind of soften that blow and say, okay, let's do things the way that you've always been doing them, but give you the features and functionalities that you really liked about the cloud. You want to click, 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 and get a network? You can. You want to click and get firewalls? You want to script an entire application stack? including networking and security, we can give you that, all without having to replatform your apps, lift and shift, having to pay those you know, monthly Amazon bills and stuff like that. It's interesting you say that. One of the things that you know, IT departments are increasingly becoming involved with is you know, uh, dealing with their internal customers, the actual developers, um, you know, whether it's IT apps or it's actually company revenue generation apps. So one of the things I noticed yes. on the blog was containerization and uh, doing uh, networking within containerization. Can you talk about that mm -hmm. a little bit and how NSXT is supporting that? Absolutely. So um, NSXT is actually the only platform right now that we have that truly supports containers. Um, now, one of the things that makes containers so great for developers is the same thing that made virtualization great for developers. You're getting infrastructure faster. But with containers, you're getting a much you know, lighter infrastructure. Um, and you know, everything is scripted, everything is driven by an API. Now with NSXT, we have the NSX container plugin. Um, and with that, we can actually integrate in with Kubernetes environments where we can treat a container like a first-class citizen. So we can give it an IP address. We can set up our distributed routing for it. We can create security policy for an individual container. Um, now that's a huge shift from the way that containers were managed before where when you look at a container environment that's run in a virtual machine, all of our traditional tooling and the way that we ran networking and security before, we kind of ended at the edge of the virtual machine. We couldn't really introspect into it. Now that we're, we've got the container agent that's working with Kubernetes, we can actually create that infrastructure inside of the virtual machine so that you've got overlay networking and micro-segmentation security directly down to the container level. So it gives the, um, the network and security guys the control and the visibility that they need while still delivering everything that the developers like about containers. 
which is really who you want to be happy because, as you said, the developers are your revenue-generating folks. That's super exciting. I, I, um, I guess I kind of knew, but the, the emotional impact is different from the uh, intellectual impact of knowing that you can do all those things down to the container level. Yeah, it's a, a very... Yeah, I guess I guess that's one of the major drivers I would see from an NSXT. I mean, obviously the the cloud environments, but then being able to support containers, right? And and you know, giving your your container uh, access to network, you know, uh, config directly for each container uh, makes a lot of sense. And I can I can see that being a driver. And we have seen I think there's another blog blog article on it. PKS Pivotal Container Services uh, uh, talking about that as well. NSXT and how how they're how they're using that uh, accordingly for with container the container environment. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, good question, John. Mm, Meant to you. drill down on that. Uh, that was one of the things that I got schooled on because I didn't realize that NSXT was was targeted at containers because as we do uh, VMware code and we're focused on enabling and c controlling, you know, kind of DevOps uh, controlling 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 your container environment. That was one of the things that came up was NSXT. So yeah, good to understand that. Um, we're coming up near the top of the hour. I usually will transition to where. What are you doing? Uh, what are you doing, Tim Davis, uh, for the rest of 2018? What are some of your major goals? Uh, what keeps you up at night? Uh, what are you? What are you? What are you working on? What are you trying to accomplish? And how can the community help if we can? And are you going to be at VMworld? So that's a lot of questions. But take <laughs> any of those that you think are interesting and uh, tell us about it. So I've actually got a lot going on. Um, currently working in the uh, hands-on labs. I was uh, made a captain for this year for one of our NSX labs. So uh, we're all diligently working behind the scenes so that we can uh, deliver some fantastic labs this year at VMworld, which I'll be Those at. just automatically uh, come up, right? right? Those, you just wave your magic wand and you get, you get labs for free, right? That's, that's how they just that's come exactly with VMworld. Right. You buy a ticket, yeah. right? hours of work behind the scenes. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So you guys are busy, busy doing that. You're a lab captain, uh, so you'll, you'll, you'll have that. Uh, what's, is it an NSX, uh, NSX, which one is the, is it NSXV or NSXT, or is it a combination of both? Uh, what, what, what's, your, what's your lab, what's your lab look like? Ones that I'm working on right now is for NSXV currently. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, so that means you'll be at VMworld. You'll be at VMworld US and VMworld Europe. Um, how do people come up and say hello to you? How do they How do they find you and say that they they heard you on the podcast? Oh, I'm around. Um, I like to hang out in the uh, the hang space, or I guess whatever it's called nowadays. That's um, what it's called. Around the block. The hang space, right? Do you know where color your shirt's going to be at uh, the hands on that? Uh, I actually don't know the answer to that question yet. And as a captain, you know, we're just going to rapid-fire questions at you. As a captain, um, what does that actually mean? You get so, like stripes um, on your, you know, get order people around and you know, that kind of stuff. And what 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 does captain mean? So as a captain, I'm actually part of the team that is building the labs, making the documentation and stuff like that. So when you're interacting with the lab, um, you've done more. You know, you're going through the documentation that a captain has built. Um, proctors are the level before that, and they're you know the ones that are walking around helping you find your labs, answer questions, and things like that. Um, and then the level above me would be the principals who are actually in charge of you know figuring out what content we're going to do for that year, making sure that everything goes smoothly and all that. All right, so we can be angry at you when we don't understand what we're doing here in the lab, right? When it's too hard or too easy, we can just go that yeah, it was Tim Davis's fault. <laughs> Come find me, and we'll get uh, fixed up. Right, right. Well, that's well, that's good. Do you do you ever do any kind of blogging or any kind of other outbound social? Your your handle is at a l d t d. So a l d, and then Tim Davis. I assume. What does a l d stand for? Uh, so that's funny. Um, I was in a uh, a ridiculous band in high school called a later day, um, and my AOL instant messenger handle was a later day t d. Um, and for Twitter, I shortened it to ALDTD because some guy named Paul or something like that has the handle the Tim D, and I can't have it. <laughs> right, right. Somebody named Paul. A later day, a later day rock star, Tim Davis, is uh, 
is on the show today talking all about uh, NSXT, and he's going to be a lab captain. And uh, and, and don't forget, you can you, you got to go get your VMworld tickets and and come hang out with us. Um, we are going to have a community booth. Have you did you do a community session, or you, did you sign up for any kind of session? Are you doing real world sessions? You going to do any kind of community session, or do they basically take you for the lab the whole time and and uh, monopolize you in the in the hands on lab environment? Well, they try to monopolize you in the hands-on labs environments, but um, as everybody in the community knows, I like to get up and do the dog and pony show. Um, unfortunately, my sessions for VMworld were uh, rejected yesterday, um, but what that means is that I get to go and submit them and hopefully present them on the uh, you know community stage. Oh, excellent, excellent. We love it when they reject. We just, it's a, <laughs> and, and it's funny you should mention rejects because uh, we did – uh, we did go through all 3,000. We got the rejection. We don't want to call them rejection. We said non-accepted sessions. <laughs> okay. um, and we went through the non-accepted sessions list. There were 3,600 wow. sessions that were submitted. And I think there's like less than 400 that actually get uh, accepted. Yeah. So it's less than, it was like a 10% acceptance rate, best case. And there were lots and lots and lots and lots of great sessions. So we did flag, I think, uh, you know, a couple hundred sessions to send out and uh, everybody that we flagged that should have gotten a separate email from the events team going, hey, sorry, but the community team really wants to have you come to the session. And uh, at the same time, we do have some passes so that we can, uh, we, we ask you when you submit either on the power sessions for code or uh, on the V brown bag, you can, you can check a box saying, I need a pass and we can try to get you. Tim, you don't need a pass, so you're almost guaranteed a slot because, you know, you're, you're, you don't need a pass because you're going to be there for a lab, right? That's great. This would be my third year presenting on the community stage. Woohoo! Yeah. And uh, before we let let you go, or before we go somewhere here, I do have a URL to go submit power session. So V Brown Bag is easy to find, but if you are looking for a power session, um, uh, bit bit.ly bit.ly slash VMware code PS for power sessions. So VMware code PS. So bit.ly VMware code PS will get you to the reg page for the power sessions. There are plenty of slots left, and we will be giving, uh, if you got a de uh, dev developer or DevOps-related session you want to do and you need to get a, a pass, that's one way of probably quick getting yourself into the pass, especially if you have some code reference in the code stuff. So, uh, so yeah, Tim, uh, I'm sure you're going to be on on stage. We'll get you there for sure if you don't. But I'm I'm sure uh, we'd love to have have you come talk uh, as you as you're regular on our show as well as the contributor to the community. So we appreciate you 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 being that that person. Look forward to seeing you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we're at the top of the year. Tim Davis, thanks a lot. Follow him at ALD. Uh, TD, A-L-D-T-D, and uh, give them a follow, give them a shout out. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, looking forward to uh, everybody uh, getting their uh, community talks in. Uh, if we missed you and didn't send out a come join us, get, get in there. I know we have plenty of slots left. Uh, go to V Brown Bag or go to the, if it's a power session, it's code oriented, uh, bit.ly slash VMware code PS. We have to get those in. We're going to put them into a content catalog, which comes out next Tuesday. So uh, if you're listening to this, uh, get out there and uh, get your get your session submitted uh, so that we can get you in the content catalog early this year. And then you will also be in Schedule Builder. And last year we had we were full up. Probably 80 to 90 percent of the sessions were uh, we had like 50 seats yeah. and they were all full. So hoping to get a lot of audience back there this year. So hat tip, hat tip to Katie Bradley, wherever you are out there yeah. for the schedule builder. Innovation. She, she's now the new, we don't talk about her. Oh, like, really? We, we can take, we can say, uh, we can say John Troyer's name now uh, all over the place, <laughs> but Katie Bradley's name now has to be on the do not mention list because it's just too painful to, to mention her. So the do not name. So we have the stopwatch. It's five years, five years. And we'll start talking yeah, yeah, that's right. Again. Five years after you leave us, we can <laughs> we can start remembering remembering you fondly. So yeah. All right, we're at the top of the hour. Uh, we got some barbecue. We're gonna go get. Uh, what's that? What's the barbecue? What's the barbecue ever uh, conversation at the end of the podcast? Okay, so I'm I'm jumping in here. My wife did a brisket. Um, 
uh, two weeks ago. It was uh, three hours on the smoker, 48 hours sous vide, and then uh, another uh, three hour for the crust. So that was uh, that's my uh, my brisket story. brisket story brisket yeah. story. Somebody was talking about uh, uh, Corey did barbecued pineapple. Uh, that's pretty good. Oh, so that's you can too. you can think outside the box and not just do uh, prostate destroying red meat, but uh, you can do some friendlier stuff as well. So don't forget. To throw on things that are not just a dead animal, you can do barbecue a lot of stuff. So looking for some good non-animal barbecue tips as well. That's maybe sacrilege, but uh, you know, that is definitely. We did a forty-eight hour. We want to know what Tim's Tim's favorite is in Dallas. My favorite barbecue in Dallas? Dallas, it's got to be brisket, right? Is that a question? Oh yeah. And location, of course. Uh, oh, my favorite location? Man, that's hard. I, I eat hard eight more than anything, um, but I like Cadillac a whole lot. Cadillac. All right. There you go. You heard it here on the podcast, the community podcast. Thanks for everybody being on the show. Thanks for the chat. Thanks for Facebook. Thanks for showing us on live. Julia, Klaus, thanks. We got audio right Thank this you. time. Nice. Uh, we got the banner up ahead of time so you guys can just jump in, get the starting going. Uh, we're at the top of the hour. Tim Davis, thanks a lot. And everybody have a great rest of your week. And we'll, we're on again next week. We've got some vSphere podcasts coming up to start talking about the, the vSphere features running into VMworld. So I think we've got Ooh. like three or four of those scheduled. Those should be good as well. Uh, always love NSX. And uh, thanks a lot, guys. And we're going to hit the big red stop button now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.